Hebrews. And, and what we would do is we would open up to the next section, the next passage, and we would just be anchored in that, working our way over the course of weeks and months through it. We're doing something a little bit different in that we're working through the book of Proverbs, but because the Proverbs are, for the most part, kind of short, pithy statements that they don't necessarily relate to everything else in a chapter, we're having to take it a little more topically, where we are going to look at what do the Proverbs have to say about a particular issue. And so the last two weeks, we've kind of laid out an introduction of what the Proverbs are, of wisdom, of our hope for this. And this morning, we will begin um, the first of several weeks where we will just look at specific issues in light of the Proverbs. So just a little bit of recap as we get started. Um, The Proverbs are a collection primarily from King Solomon. He's not the only contributor, but he contributed the vast majority. Um, And the Proverbs are going to offer before us two paths, right? And we want to kind of keep these two paths in front of us as we consider is that the Proverbs are going to, they're going to give it kind of three words. They're going to say there's the path of the wise and of the fool. And the path of the wise is also the path of the righteous, while the path of the fool is the path of the wicked. And in New Testament language, we would say it's the path of those who are saved, who are following Jesus, versus those who are currently lost and headed on a broad road that leads to destruction, are kind of the the two paths that are laid before us. And what we want to continue to go back to is we do not want to go back to moralism, right? Where we look at the Proverbs and say, oh, look, here's a a coffee mug verse, a pillow-like verse here that I want to hold on to. But what do we do to, to really find wisdom and have it to sink into us? And that's our pursuit of Jesus, that Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom, that he is all wisdom, Colossians would tell us. And that what, how we are going to define wisdom as we walk through Proverbs is this, that it is being skilled at living, right? It's not simply an accumulation of book knowledge. It's not simply being smart or having a lot of, a, a lot of things that you can nod in agreement to. But it's being able to take the truths of Scripture, the knowledge of Scripture, and apply it to our lives in a way that shows that we are skilled at living, avoiding things and, and, and headed in the right direction, the path of the righteous and of the wise. And so this morning, we are specifically going to look at the topic of emotions, okay? Now listen, there are some caricatures that come in West Texas, right? And one of those caricatures is that we are not the most emotionally, like, aware people, right? That we're kind of, there's this idea of being, like, stoic and quiet. Now, we know that that is, that is a caricature, that that's not true, right? Another caricature that could be thrown out that's not West Texas, but that just is kind of out there, right, is that men are typically less emotional and women are far more emotional, right? And again, we know those things are not true, um, that there are women who are stoic and there are men who are very emotional. And so I want us to just kind of initially just say, like, these caricatures aren't helpful, right? They don't lead us to wisdom, That what we want to do is to lean into what would Scripture tell us about emotions. And so this morning, the fact is, is many of you in the room are enslaved. You are absolutely owned by your emotions. That they rule your day. And depending upon how you wake up or a moment in your day, right, it can completely hold you down and end any idea that it would be a productive day. 
right? And, and, and maybe some of you are going, I don't, I don't know if that's me, that we use the word of I feel something far more than you think. Even as we show up this morning, we have this idea that I want to feel something in the service, right? Like I want the music to be moving or I want the message to be powerful. And we'll use this kind of emotion, emotive feeling language. That you'll hear people say, well, I'm just not feeling this relationship, or I feel unloved, or I feel fat, right? And those things, truth in those moments doesn't matter, right? Because what I feel seems to trump what is truth. And so we have to ask ourselves, right, why do our emotions own us and enslave us in this way? Why do they have the ability to wreck us? And then for some of you, you're going, yeah, that's not me at all. And maybe you fall into the category of you are far more indifferent or hardened to your emotions um, and that you don't feel things nearly as much. And so even though you should be able to say, I I probably should be expressing some emotion in this moment, I'm not. I could tell you what emotion should come out, and I intellectually know that, but you're not feeling it, right? And that could be due to past experience. It could be due to your up, um, like the way you were brought up, your upbringing, Um, It could be that you know there's some things in there and you're scared if the top ever comes off, you couldn't get it back on, right? And so your response then is not to be controlled by emotions, but is to try to hold them in check. And yet we know that we tell people all the time they need to check, control their emotions. I say this to my kids almost every day. Hey, in this moment when you're about to lose it, You need to control your emotions. And what am I saying in that moment is this, is, hey, what you're feeling is, I'm not telling you can't feel it, but you can't let it own you. You can't let it control you because you're about to lose control. And so, like, what is the true thing in this moment? And we know that, right? We we, we see our, our daycare teachers do this. We see school teachers do this. As parents, we do this, right? And yet, as adults, here's what we say. Well, that's how I feel. As though that is like the trump card of you can't tell me anything now. Right? If our, ch- if our children said, well, that's how I feel, Dad. What are you going to do about it? You would do something about it. Right? You would engage them in a way that would express your emotions don't control you. And yet, as adults, if you begin to express emotion that maybe isn't based in truth or isn't based in reality, and someone presses you on that, then you're quick to say, but that's how I feel. So what are you going to do? Right? And so we understand that our emotions are an issue. Right? That they are either an issue because we don't feel them or they're an issue because they control us. Or maybe because we just don't know how to look at them biblically. And so, listen, one of the the things we're going to be doing is we will be jumping over all over Proverbs. I apologize for that. Um, But we are going to begin in Proverbs 4, verse 23. As we just begin to lay a foundation here. And Proverbs 4.23 says this. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Some of yours will say, you know, guard your heart, right? Because out of it flows life. This idea that from our heart, from our emotions, right? Our life is directed and it's led and it's guided. And so that we have to be mindful of what's in us, within us. Proverbs 14.30, and I think Colin's going to do her best to stay with me. So if you want to, to not have to turn but to look behind me, those, they should be up there. Um, Proverbs 14.30 tells us this. A tranquil heart 
gives life to the flesh, right? Like this idea of calmness brings life to us. But envy makes the bones rot, okay? And it's just one of the, the, the vivid kind of poetic imagery that we're going to see in Proverbs is, right, that we either have rest or we have like this rot. And this is the issue, right? That this morning you know that you have had seasons of your life, I pray, where there's been tranquility, there's been peace, there's been calmness, and it's been good for you. And there are other times where your emotions have absolutely owned you. And it has brought about dismay and struggle, right? That this idea of rotting would be very descriptive of how you have felt. And so we see that there is a problem and that we have what our emotions are supposed to do and what they actually do. And so let's start here. First and foremost, would we just be reminded and encouraged this morning that your emotions are from God? Okay? And they're good. Because when God created us, he created us as thinking, feeling, considering, emotional beings in the garden. And he said of his creation, it is very good. Right? That you were created to be emotive, to feel and to respond and to interact with God, not just on an intellectual basis, not just in a relational basis, but in an emotional basis. That you were created with them. And Jesus expressed emotions. Right, If we think about him in scripture, we will see a variety of emotions. But just kind of a, a, con, a conglomeration here in Isaiah 53, listen to what the prophet says in verses 3 and 4. Speaking of Jesus, he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Some of you right there, that's all you needed to hear this. Like that Jesus is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And so just think for a moment the life of Jesus. Weeping over his friend Lazarus. Right? Think about him showing love and compassion at the rich young ruler. Who walks away not believing and not trusting. Him weeping over Jerusalem. The anguish that he showed in the garden as he cries out to God. As he's on the cross and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We saw anger, righteous indignation in the temple. Right? As he is overturning the tax collectors and the the money changers. Right? In, In Mark 3... We, we hear this as you think about Jesus in anger. Mark 3, 5. And he looked around at them, meaning the Pharisees, with anger, grieved at the hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Right when they were wanting people not to be healed because it was a Sabbath, and he, he's feeling anger towards them. So we see him weeping. We see him angry. We see him in anguish. In John 15, we're reminded of his joy that we saw in Hebrews, right? That before the joy set before him, that he went to the cross. And in John 15, 11, Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, his joy, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And so we could spend the whole sermon just walking through the emotions of Jesus. And the fact that he had them, he expressed them. That he did them perfectly. Right? But that's, 
that, that, that's, we just need to be reminded this morning of this, that your emotions are good. They were created within you, that Jesus expressed them. And so I just want to say it's okay to feel. It is okay to be moved. Scripture gives you permission to do this. We are going to take some specific emotions like anger, and we will parse those out in, in sermons in Proverbs in weeks to come. So this one is more, a little more of like an overall look of, at emotions without looking at anyone specifically. If you spend any time in Proverbs or the Psalms, if you look at the life of Jesus, church, you have permission to feel. To feel depressed, to feel melancholy, to feel injustice, to feel anger, to feel joy, to feel celebration. Like you are allowed to feel and to express emotion. And so would you just be encouraged by that this morning as we begin? So our emotions are from God, but second, our emotions have been corrupted. Okay? And if we saw in Genesis 1 and 2 that our emotions were given, they were created, and they were good. In Genesis 3, when the fall of man happens, when Adam and Eve rebel against a holy loving, righteous God, this, our emotions are corrupted. So three things specifically. One is that we now have an, we have an enemy, right, who is whispering in your ear. For some of you would say it's not a whisper, it's a shout. And he reminds you of your emotional struggle, your emotional baggage, your emotional weakness, and he is just ever-present telling you this is who you are, what you feel is what you are, Your emotions are your God. Let them control you. Let them own you. Let them lead you. And so we have an adversary who is doing this, who is reminding you of guilt and of sin and of shame. And it is why your emotions can absolutely cripple you. Because you have someone looking to cripple you, to trip you up. A second effect of our emotions being corrupted is this is that there is now sin in the world and brokenness. And so that means that many of you have had experience that have been traumatic. And they have scarred you. And so now your emotions are not the the God-ordained, God-given thing that you were supposed to feel, but they've been twisted and they've been broken. And so you're going, "I, I feel something, but it doesn't feel right. Because your experiences in a sin-scarred, sin-filled world have affected you. And so you have an enemy, you have your own experiences and trauma. And then third, because of the fall, church, there is just imbalance, right? Chemical imbalance, health issues that are related because everything in creation got broken, right? And sometimes we look at that only as in, hey, now there's sin in the world. But Romans would say that creation itself groans, longing for the day where it will be set right, right? Where there will be no more traumatic disasters of nature, Right? Will there be no more fallenness and brokenness and tears? And one of the effects is that not just did sin enter the world, but disease entered the world. And some of those diseases affect our heart, and meaning our emotions, and some of them affect our mind. Right? And so we are affected by a fallen world through an enemy, through our experiences and trauma, and through imbalances. Look at Proverbs fourteen thirteen. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and to the end of joy may be grief, right? It's this reminder that our emotions are complex, right? That you can be laughing and grieving, right? That you can have joy and then grief, right? It's this idea that they're, they're in there and they're overlaid. 
and they're complex, and we have a really hard time with them. That it's convoluted. And so I just want to say before we go any further, that that's what where the church and I, I believe medicine has made a mistake is that we have separated those two things out solely. And we have some that will hold up science and say, take a pill, it's all you need. And others will say, they'll eschew, they'll say, no medicine, no medication, no counseling, just Bible, just love Jesus, just pray, just repent. And both are true. That God, by his common and good grace, has given insight into our chemical issues and our bodies, and medication can serve you well. But medication can't and shouldn't be the only answer. But we should not view that as, not, as less than spiritual, right? It is a grace from God. And so would we look at this from both a, a created balance and world that God has given with good grace and from a spiritual issue? So just a couple other Proverbs here. Proverbs seventeen twenty two. right, says this, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And so some of you this morning, you are, right, the first half of this, that a joyful heart is good medicine, that you feel strong and healthy because your heart is joyful and your emotions feel in check currently. And some of you would say a crushed spirit dries up the bones like that is you or that has been you and you feel utterly dismayed. Like you're wondering how, like, do people see it? Do they see my crushed bones? Do they see my dismay? If you look over just one chapter to verse 14 of 18, A man's spirit will endure sickness, right? This idea that our bodies will take physical pain. But a crushed spirit, who can bear? And some of you are going, amen. Right? I have been crushed like this and I wondered, who could bear it? How will I stand up again? And does anyone see the pain and the discomfort I'm in? And then one more in this section, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 4. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Right? And the proverb is simply saying that there are many emotions that affect us. And if you've been around a toddler, their anger can seem overwhelming. Right? And we can kind of laugh about it because we can still physically control them. Right? And yet we know that some of us would say our anger can overwhelm us. And it's not so funny. Right? Because we are physically strong and able to do something about it. And it feels like it can crush us. Who can stand before jealousy? Right? The Proverbs are saying these emotions, these things that you feel can absolutely control us and own us. And so this idea that we should follow our heart is insane. Right? Because Jeremiah 17 will tell us this. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And we know this by experience. And yet, when someone begins to press on you and the emotions that you're feeling, you're likely to say, but I feel it. Like that gives all the the credence you need for them to back off and leave you alone. And yet we know by experience and by scripture that our heart is sick. That our emotions are corrupted. And that we need help. That we live in a broken world. And so there is a lie, right? Our emotions are not always based in truth. 
and they are often fleeting. So have you ever made the mistake of acting on your emotions and then in short order you didn't even feel that anymore and you're like, man, I really kind of went all in on that and now I'm going to pay the price. So just an example of this, when I went to college, I was the, the only kid from, from Pampa that was in my, my freshman class at school and I wasn't that far off but far enough off that um, you weren't just going to come home of an evening and my roommate decided not to show up. It wasn't someone I knew, but my roommate, just he just never showed. And so I had a private room, which at first felt awesome. And I think if you were older in school, that is awesome. But as a freshman, you're like, I don't know anybody. And everyone at least had their roommate to like kind of, like we may not be friends long term, but I got you in the moment and so I don't feel like isolated. But we didn't take like a week before I was going, dude, I am struggling. I think I need to go home. Because I just felt isolated and alone. And how am I going to make friends? What am I going to do? And, and I remember I, I would be talking on the phone with my parents or with a friend. Or, and, and, and I'm not communicating any of this because I'm like, I can't be a failure. And quickly, truth, the Spirit was kind to me and said, right, you're okay. You're all right. Just push through. And those emotions went away rapidly. Right? They were fleeting. And I could have made a really big decision based on some initial like jitters and blues at school. Right? And so listen, for some, those emotions can linger and stay. Right? But, but sometimes our emotions just spring up out of nowhere and they're just like a jack-in-the-box going, you're going to feel this right now. And you're like, where did that come from? Doesn't matter. And if we make decisions based on those complex emotions, the, the fact that our heart is deceitful and lying and misleading, then we are going to make some mistakes. Because some of you in, in relationships wake up in the morning and you're like, not feeling you today. Right? Not feeling this relationship. And yet you're committed. And so if you act on your feelings, you're going to create a world of hurt and problems. Or do we act on what we know to be true? And so we engage and say, hey, heart, you're a fool today. I need you to catch up. Please do it quickly, right? Because I, I do love her. I do. Like, right? And so we need, to be, we need to know that our emotions are corrupted, that they lie. And even when they feel powerful, even when they cripple us, we cannot act on a whim, Right? And so we're gonna let's move into some, some practical aspect here. That our emotions are from God. They are good, but they have been corrupted. So what good are they? Church, and here's where I want us to really linger this morning. Our emotions reveal what is going on in our heart. And as they reveal those things, it shows us what we're trusting or not trusting. It shows us what we're believing. We're not believing, and it shows us where our loyalty is or where our loyalty isn't. Right? Like they, they, they reveal what's going on in our heart. Proverbs 27 19 says this As in water, the face, as in the face of water reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. That our heart is showing through actions, through words, through behavior what it is that's going on in our heart. And we can control it, we can hide it for a little while, but it, ultimately it will reveal this. It's why Jesus, right, would say, hey, it's not enough that you didn't just kill someone, 
If in your heart you have anger towards them, you have murdered them because murder comes from anger. And so he's saying, I don't want just your, your outward behavior in control and transformed. I want your heart. That we need both this morning, church. Like if, if you have this put together facade and you are a boiling stew on the inside, right? that's not what Jesus has for you. It's not what he wants for you. He wants your behavior and your, and your emotions and your mind and your actions and your heart transformed to the glory of God to look like Jesus who handled emotions well and obviously his behavior was good, right? That that's what he wants for us, our hearts and our lives. Right, we... Let's turn over to 29. Verse 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Right? Because our sin is doing this, right? If you feel out of control, right? Maybe what's going on is that you feel like you should be the one in control of the decisions, right? And so you're not trusting the sovereignty of God, perhaps. Right? When, when you feel anger, Right? That could be holy and righteous. Or it could be you saying, I deserve that. That should be mine. Right? The same with envy. Right? I should be jealous of Carmen's attention and her affection. That's an okay form of jealousy. But when I'm jealous that you got a promotion or that your church is bigger or that you have more money or you got like those things are revealing. I don't trust God. Right? And so our, our emotions reveal what's really going on in our heart. What we think should be, not just what is. And so sometimes our emotions are driven by one another. I need you to think a certain thing of me. I need to feel approval. And so I'm going to lay some things out there hoping you'll take the bait and give me a compliment. Right? Because I'm feeling the need for these things. And that's, listen to what Proverbs 29 says again. Verse 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. If I am dependent upon you and your approval of me, I'm in trouble. Right? Because you control me. But if I am secure in the Lord and trust that what he has done and is doing is all that is I need. Right? Now, you don't own me. And so we have to find freedom for our emotions not to own us. So let's walk through a couple of things here. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Right? Awesome. Right? You're always thinking, awesome, Jesus. Thank you for that one. He is not saying this. Feel warm fuzzies about people who have been cruel to you. Right? And that's what we think love is sometimes. We think it's this emotional, like, I just love you. He's saying, act like you love them. Show them, right, by doing things, by justice, by action, you are doing love, right? Again, we can go back to our relationships and say, there are moments and times where my emotional warm fuzzies for Carmen are not as high as other times. And I either act like I love her because I do, even if I don't feel it in the moment. And so when we love our enemies, it's not, would you feel about them like you do about bunnies, Right? Would you feel about them like you do about babies? Say no, but you can love them by praying for them, by serving them, by pointing them to Jesus. You can do acts 
of love and not vengeance. And so, church, sometimes our, en- our enemy is our emotion. So what do we do? We fight it. What do we fight it with? We fight it with truth. That when one of my kids is freaking out because they feel like a, a punishment is unjust and they're wanting to like explode, that what they need in that moment is to relax for just a second and to see all the points of truth. Right? And then that will begin to like deflate some of that emotion. Or that emotion will control them and they will get themselves in more trouble because they let it own them. And so when we're feeling something, what do we do? We fight it with truth until our heart catches up. One of my favorite psalms and, and one that I reference a lot is Psalm 22. Because in it we see David saying, God, I'm a worm of a man. I'm despised and people wag their, their mouths at me and they mock me. And then he immediately goes, oh, but you are good. And you have been faithful to generations before. What is he doing? He is taking the emotion and he's fighting it with truth. And what Proverbs 22 doesn't say is, hey, look, David felt something. And then he said something true and it was all over. Psalm 22 goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth of, I feel this, but this is true. But I feel this, but this is true. But I feel this, but this is true. Right? And you feel crazy. And yet, what are we doing? We are fighting our emotions with truth. And we have to have something to fight them with. We have to know what the promises of God are, what the, what the scriptures say. In church, we need one another. Right? Not for false affirmation, but for love. Right? Ephesians four fifteen says, To the church, speak the truth in love to one another. Right? Which sometimes is not the kindest... Right, it's, it's, it's a kind and loving thing, but it's not the thing you want to hear. That we need one another. A proverb that many of you know, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens the other. I need you to sharpen me, and you need me to sharpen you. That we need to know what is going on in one another's minds and hearts. We have to express these emotions, even when they're scary, so that people can just be present. That they can love us, they can be near us, they can encourage us, they can remind us of truth and of promises. Right? That we can speak the truth in love. Because we need each other. I don't, I cannot put you in a place where I have to have your affirmation because then you own me. But that doesn't mean I don't need you. That we don't need to be reminded to have someone lift our chin and say, What you're feeling right now. I know it has you, and it's crippling you, but it's not true. And that probably won't go away just because I said that. But I'll sit here anyway. And I'll be available. And we'll talk about it again tomorrow. And when it comes back again. Because I'm not going anywhere. Right? Because we are reflecting Jesus who pursued us when we were his enemies. He pursued us when we were far. He pursued us when we hated him or we were indifferent to him or when other things owned us and he loves us. In church, Jesus never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And so we never leave and we don't forsake because we need to walk together. We need to fight not with each other but for each other. It also means this, that you can embrace hard emotions. 
Well, we have a book of Scripture called Lamentations. Lament. Because the world is not what it's meant to be, right? You're given permission to lament. To say, God, I miss this person. I hurt. I don't want it to be this way. I cannot wait for the day where you make all things right. We can, we can have hard emotions. We can feel jealousy at God's glory being robbed. We can feel anger at those who don't trust Him and are looking to other things. And we can ha- hate that thing that is taking our friend or our family away from us. Right? We can feel these things, but right, our heart is revealing, do we believe God's in control? Are we trusting Him? Or are we trusting ourselves? We can embrace these things. Because our hard emotions can show that we are trusting and hoping in the goodness of God. When I lament and say, God, it should not be this way, I am saying, I trust that this isn't what you had for us, and that you're going to set things right, and that you're the one who's able. And so I can lament in faith. I can lament in trust. I can have future hope that my circumstances... Right? Do not dictate what happens to me. Church, death doesn't get the final say. Your emotional, mental state doesn't get the final say. Jesus does. And 2 Corinthians 4 says this. Verse 16. Church, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light... And momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right? Our hope is not in medicine in this world. Our hope is not in our ability to like counsel one another out of something. Our hope is in Jesus, who brings peace and hope. Who eases suffering. And whether you have it for a day, a week, a year, a decade, or a lifetime. There will be a day where he will wipe every tear from your eye. And set things right to the way they were meant to be. And so in the meantime we trust that. And we lean into that. And we serve one another. We embrace these emotions. And we embrace each other. We pray for clarity. And we allow our heart to be a gauge of what's going on in us. But it doesn't guide us. It doesn't shepherd us. It doesn't lead us. James tells us, to, if you lack wisdom, to ask for it. That we lean in and we explore. And so we are not afraid of our emotions. When something's going on, we say, Jesus, I'm not sure why I'm feeling this. Why I'm thinking this. Help me to understand where this comes from. Is it sin? Is it trauma? Is it experience? Is it, is it medication? Like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Proverbs twenty nine eleven: A fool will give full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Right? That we don't just rashly act on what we're feeling. That we ask the body, we ask the community, we ask the spirit, we ask the word of God, help me understand what's going on right now. In church, sometimes it's going to reveal that there's just sin. And when there's sin, we confess it and we repent of it. And sometimes it's going to lead us to, hey, I think you need medication. I think you need counseling. I think you need one another. 
right? That all of those things are true. So this morning, here's where I want us to end. As we continue our time in, in the Proverbs, would we turn to Jesus? Because Jesus did feel emotions perfectly. He has felt betrayal. He has felt these things. That we have a high priest who understands, who has felt, who is not disconnected. Who then has also given us access to the Father, the creator of our emotions, through Jesus' perfect life, his obedient death, and his resurrection. You are not left unable to deal or to process Right? He has given us himself. He has given us his spirit, his word. He's given us access and prayer. He's given us the hope that this is not what will always be. So church, we want to be a people who are led by our good shepherd, not by our hearts, not by our emotions, not by minds that have been corrupted by the fallen world. So that means we have to be able to hold them up and test them against what the word of God says. And trust one another with them to give wisdom, to give guidance, to, be, to give care. Right? I, I feel like if anything, what we did this morning is like we just kind of walked up to this thing that says hazardous waste. And we just kind of pulled the lid off. And we're like, good luck. <laughs> right? That, that's kind of where I feel like we're leaving this. And that's not what we want to do. What we want to do is we want to take the lid off and say, we have to deal with what's inside But let's do it together. Let's do it in our gospel communities. Let's do it with with trust. Let's do it with the word of God guiding and directing and leading. And not saying, well, that's how I feel. Just how we feel may be a lie. Alright, and so we are asking the ever-present Jesus to minister to us and to give us wisdom as we walk and move forward tenderly and gingerly. In church, would we show one another grace? Let's pray. Father, it feels um, almost insane to, to open up such a broad topic. And yet, we know that you have created us, that you are for us, that our emotions have been affected, but that they are, they are good, that you want us to find joy in you. You want us to find trust in you. You want us to express our emotions in you. So, Father, I just would ask in these moments that those who are feeling big things, who have big thoughts in their hearts and in their minds, God would not feel condemnation. That they would not feel like they have to um, compare. God, that we would not glory in our brokenness. God, but that we would not be afraid of you bringing healing to it either. Father, would Redeemer be a place where we are safe to express things in us and that we would turn to you and your word and your church to bring about hope and peace and healing? And Father, would we not would we not put a timetable on it, but be willing to walk for even years to come? Because you have never left us and you have never forsaken us. God, that we would reflect your kindness and your goodness and your pursuit of one another as you have done for us. Father, grant us wisdom. We lack it and desperately need it. In Jesus' name, amen.